Hello, and welcome to Inside Scoop Live. I'm Sherry Hoyt, and I'm your host for today. I'm excited to be speaking on the phone with Susan Violante, author of Tuma, the Tribe's Little Princess, a delightful and engaging story that teaches young children about Venezuela's geography and the wonders of nature through the eyes of a little native princess. But before we start, let's learn a little bit more about Susan. Born and raised in Venezuela of Italian immigrants, Susan completed a BA in political science and business administration before moving to the U.S. Although she built a career as a business analyst and accountant, she also kept herself active as a freelance writer in the U.S., publishing articles, poetry, children's stories, and illustrations. Susan published her first book, Innocent War, Behind an Immigrant's Past, in 2009, and released her revised edition in 2011. Her sequel to Innocent War, Emerging from the Rubble, is scheduled to be published later this year. Tuma, the tribe's little princess, was published in 2014 under her own label, I Have Something to Say Press. Susan is the managing editor of Reader Views, a book review and author publicity service where avid readers can find reviews of recently published books as well as read interviews with authors. She is also the managing editor of First Chapter Plus, an online e-catalog that introduces books to libraries, bookstores, media, reviewers, bloggers, and readers. Susan resides in Austin, Texas, with her husband, Michelle, her two daughters, her senior parents, and her dog, Peggy. For more information on Susan Violante and her books, visit her website at www.ihavesomethingtosaypress.com and www.susanviolante.com. That's www.susanviolante.com. Hi, Susan. How are you today? Hi, Sherry. Thank you so much for having me here. Well, thank you for being here. I'm excited to uh, be interviewing our original host of Inside Scoop Live. (laughs) Yeah, this will be an experience, (laughs) right? Exactly. (laughs) So I guess before we begin, uh, can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Sure. Well, I was born and raised in Venezuela, and my parents are immigrants, so I actually became an immigrant again in 1989 (laughs) when, according to tradition, I came here to the U.S. And I do have a B.A. in political science and business administration, but I've been freelancing, you know, parallel to my day job as a job cost accountant for many years and published some stuff around the 90s. But, you know, uh, actually, Tuma, this book uh, that we're going to be talking about was a story I sent to Creative with Words in 1994, 95, and it got published in 1996. And out of there, I became an illustrator for them as well for a couple of issues. Yeah. And it it was actually then that I realized that I really wanted to write fiction for for real and and stop writing articles. Yeah. And, well, you know, the rest is history. I published (laughs) after 16 years of trying to learn how to write in English and putting a 100-page summary, I guess, outline for my Mm -hmm. Nino series. Uh, I finally published the first one in 2009, and that's when I discovered that I really wanted to do this. So uh, in 2010, I quit my job, and <laughs> I started working for Irene in Reader Views, and her gift to me was Reader Views after she passed away. That's awesome, Susan. Now let's talk about Tuma, your first book. Uh, did you do the illustrations for that as well? Yes, I did the illustrations for Tuma 
let me tell you how that started because it's, it's actually my intention was not write a children's story. I I am also a potter or a retired potter. I used to have a pottery studio in Venezuela. When we moved to California, I started just working from home and teaching uh, how to make uh, stuff from clay in an after-school program. And I came up with this little doll that I wanted to create, not using any type of colors, but with different color clay. Mm -hmm. And her name was Karina. And then I started creating little characters and Tuma was my version of the natives of of my hometown in Venezuela. So I actually sold those sculptures, but the little character that I drew on paper was me trying to create those sculptures. And at that time I was in a writing uh, class because I was working on my Nino series, and they saw the drawing and they asked me, well, why don't you write a children's story and see how it goes? And that's how it began. That's amazing. I love Tuma. She's so cute. You're so talented. I'm jealous. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I guess that, you know, growing up in Venezuela, we didn't have much to do. We <laughs> and, you know, also in a, in a time where there was no technology, you kind of have to be creative to get entertained. So. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so, Lord. so the drawing of the character actually became came first before you developed the actual character then and then you wrote yes. the story around and then first. from there yeah and then from there cuz i wanted to create like a series of it was called at that time Karina the adventures of Karina or something like that mm-hmm. i realized that i really wanted to embrace my roots and i grew up with a guajiran uh, girl that i consider my older sister and we're still in contact she lives in venezuela and on the on the lake actually <laughs> that wow. I'm talking about, yeah, nice, <laughs> yeah. And so we talk on the phone a lot. And I had a book of Guajiran legends that my uncle had given me, and I, that's that's where it all be. I mean, I put two and two together. I read a legend that I like. I changed it all, and I came out with more than one story about Tuma, which mm-hmm. um, now is going to make the Tuma series. It's amazing how things develop. It's never what you have planned. Right. <laughs> you know, what takes is usually by accident <laughs> that you come up with something. Yeah. Well, I know our, our reviewer, Paola, uh, loved your book. She said she had fun learning about the magical stone. And, but what she enjoys most about it is reading the book over and over in her Lauro the Parrot voice. So, <laughs> yeah, that's also that's also part of my life. I had two laurels. Yeah, <laughs> and then my mom gave them away because we had some workers in our backyard that taught them cursing words. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, so that's where Laurel came from. <laughs> that's funny. So, what is the lesson? that Tuma learns on her travels and what is what do you feel is the importance of teaching young children about nature and and the geography of Venezuela and, and any country for yeah. that matter? I I've always been a uh, animal lover, but I never thought much of decology until I had a job after I graduated. My first job was a founder director of a foundation over there that I have no idea how I parachuted into that position. <laughs> but uh, they liked me, and, and I was willing to do everything, you know, from starting the office and all that stuff. So 
that's when I really realized how important the ecology and the environments where we live and how much it's part of ourselves. I never gave it much thought mm-hmm. until then. And so when I came up with the story of Tuma, I that's what I wanted to portray. I thought that things are never going to change unless little children grow up realizing the importance of it. And mm-hmm. so I took the legend of the stone. There's a stone that is called Tuma, actually, in Maracaibo. I have a few of them, and they're actually pretty expensive stones. Mm. And it's basically what it is. It's a fossilized coral. Oh, wow. Yeah, nice. and the mines yeah. dried up. So people over there that want to sell it because it's a good income are actually digging out all the royalty tombs of the Guajiran Indians and taking it from from their graves. Oh, no. Yeah, to sell them. And I thought it would be um, a good thing, you know, to have them learn, you know what, the magic doesn't come from, from a piece of rock, no matter how precious it is. It comes from nature. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, I felt that Venezuela was very little known everywhere. So I figure, you know, why not use Tuma and make her like a traveler and show a little bit of geography and come up with that message. Yeah. That's how I put everything together. The original legend of Tuma is that it's a rock that will give you healing properties and fortune and all kinds of stuff depending on how you mount it. And if you mount it with gold, then I think it's love. It will help you get love if you mount it. And where it with silver, it will be money. And if oh, wow. you mount it with copper, it will be a healer for you. Oh, that's so interesting. So Tuma, as a children's book, is obviously completely different audience and genre from Innocent War. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> how do you write in, in different genres? What are the differences in writing in, in, in each of the genres? And I think it's the, the highlights? Yeah, yeah. yeah I, 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 I don't know. <laughs> But I think, because uh, I, I write poetry and have published poetry as well and articles. So, and that's where, you know, I have something to say came from, that idea. I just write what I think I need to share. It just pops up in my mind. The, the desire of the publication was never in my writing until um, I wanted to create the Nino series because I realized what an amazing life my dad had. Mm-hmm. So I just put down on paper whatever needs to come out out of my brain and that's how things are born and then from there then yes the process starts you know the rewrites the considering who am I writing it to the marketing and critiques and the finished product is sometimes very different from what I originated uh, spit out (laughs) yeah but the message is always the same it's amazing just how how much it changes, and sometimes even the audience can change, but the message is the same that mm-hmm. I intended to come out. So I uh, never thought of genres. It's just whatever I write, I've, I've always been that way. I started with poetry mm-hmm. and then essays, and I have a bunch of little samples of little stories that I came up in a 1930 typewriter while I was living in, in my uh, – when, uh, when I had my pottery studio. Oh, wow. I'll stay there, yeah, after hours and type on my little 1930 typewriter just because um, I wanted to feel like Ernest Hemingway or something. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I am so glad that we've evolved from the typewriter. Yeah, <laughs> me too. 
<laughs> but it was uh, I, I actually still have those papers and the poetry that came out uh, I did get published in a couple different anthologies so it did work <laughs> you know <laughs> but a long story yeah that would have been an experience I never try but I did have like little short stories that uh, came out of there and I, I'm still pounding on them once in a while I have them all ready in my computer and maybe we have another book will come up out of them yeah. once I'm finally done with the second of the Nino series, which is currently being reviewed by the Living Nino. So okay, yeah, oh, okay, nice. Yeah. And when is that scheduled to? Uh, uh, hopefully, yeah, hopefully the fall of this year. I'm hoping to have at least the advanced copies uh-huh. out for review. Okay. Let's hope so. So basically, no matter the genre, it's just what's on your heart. You kind of put your your heart down on on paper, and the story just kind of evolves from there. Yeah, I have a, a little saying that I came up with on on an essay. It, it is that you know the true writers write down things just to make more room in your head for new experiences. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I think that's the case. I need an outlet to empty my my head. Mm-hmm. And then new stuff will come, you know, and, and that's what I do. I keep writing. I have different notebooks that I write them in. I have my laptop. Even on my Nook, I have a little journal that mm-hmm. ideas just flow and, and I put them down. And then maybe years later, I will take one mm-hmm. of them and develop it. Yeah. Wow. So you're a writer and you're a reader and you do book reviews. What what goes through your mind when you're reading a book for review are you are do you feel like you're more critical as a writer or? I sure am yeah. yeah and I think that a lot has to do with uh, my own processes it was difficult for me because my my main language um, I consider it Spanish because that's the one that I did all my schooling in college and and all that and that's the one that I started writing in so mm-hmm. I had a very big vocabulary in Spanish, and I have close to zero vocabulary in English, even though I was very fluent in English. Um, when it came to poetry or trying to write in a different voice of, of the, or, you know, the character coming up with dialogues, my vocabulary was really pitiful. So I went to critique groups, and I, I would ask them, try to make me cry, please, just... Mm dismember my work because I really wanted to learn how to find my own voice, number one, in English, and also mm-hmm. acquire vocabulary. I wanted, you know, to, I, I wanted to have a finished piece for them to critique, and the way that I was bringing it was beautiful it, it, when I started. Inside Scoop Live is a global internet-based broadcast specialized in interviewing published authors about their current books and their areas of expertise. Join us and hear both well-known and upcoming writers talking candidly about their life experience as well as the business of being an author in today's literary world. Always interesting and current, we strive to bring our audience high-quality discussions that spotlight a vast diversity of authors in the field today. Our interviews are available 24-7 through direct podcasts, as well as MP3 download from your computer for your convenience. Please visit us at InsideScoopLive.com.
Welcome back to Inside Scoop Live. Today I'm talking with Susan Violante, author of Kima, The Tribe's Little Princess. Stay tuned because we are going to continue this fun and interesting conversation with Susan about teaching young children about nature and people, being a book reviewer and an author, writing in different genres, hobby and becoming an illustrator, and balancing the act of living life and writing, and so much more. In the meantime, you can check out Tuma, The Tribe's Little Princess, and Susan's other books by visiting her websites at www.ihavesomethingtosaypress.com and www.susanviolante.com. That's www.susanviolante.com. When I see a published work and I, I realize all the work that I've done, and my first book was a mess grammatically. The mm-hmm. editing, the editors did not do a good job. I guess sending a book to the Philippines for editing in English was not a good idea from my publisher. Oh. <laughs> yeah. But the sad part is that I didn't notice because my English was that bad oh, okay. <laughs> when it came right. to writing. Yeah. So I did it, I really did work a lot on mm-hmm. bettering my own grammar. So yeah, I am very critical, but I am also critical on the story and the marketing point of view. Because mm-hmm. I am a, public, a publicist and you know an online publicist, so I really think that writers who have had this wonderful dream of getting the technology to be able to publish independently and not you know depend on an agent that will just do whatever they think is marketable. Yeah, um, they should then put the time into kind of um, learning the business because I am a business analyst. That's the first thing I did. Mm-hmm. I try to learn the business and apply it to my writing. And then second, you know, offer a good product. I mean, they're probably not going to buy shoes that are torn <laughs> on a store. So why do people need to buy their books who are very difficult to read because they came up with their own grammar rules, you know? Yeah, that's, that's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I am critical, even though my first book was really bad <laughs> grammatically. <laughs> Well, do you feel like reading and reviewing other books helps your writing? A lot. Yeah. And my critique group were the first one to let me know. I, I've always read, but reading with a critical mind and knowing a little bit more and then writing a review that has to be professional, mm-hmm. that I have to put thought in, you know, what I need to say, what does the review, as a reader, what do I want from a review? I want to know if the product is good, if the writing was interesting, what do they think about the author, et cetera. Did they like it? Why did they like it? How did it relate to them? So all the stuff that you put, you try to convey on a review, you do only on a professional review. You don't do it on an Amazon review when you're writing it. Right. So it, it really changed my game. It was a catalyst for my writing. And I think that I'll never be, I cannot be more grateful to have been given the opportunity to do this. Yeah. I think it's a wonderful occupation reading and I, if you love to read this is, yeah. <laughs> this is what you want to do. I mean, <laughs> it is my yeah. dream come true number 1 because I can work from home or anywhere. So I can travel. I you know, when my parents were living in Florida, I could go visit them at all times cuz I could work from there. I all I need is my laptop. Yeah. And it you know, if I need to travel and I have a lot of reviews, I can always get ebooks from the authors. Yeah, everything so, is everywhere nowadays. It's yeah, yeah. So stuff. it yeah, so it you know, I think that everybody should work from home, number one. There's <laughs> no need for office. Me too. Uh, <laughs> 
the, too bad my kids are grown because this would have been a life changer for me when they were yeah, little. That's true. But books are jewels to me. I think that you know we are we live in a civilized world thanks to sharing stories and written form of the stories is what helped for everybody to be able to listen to the stories over and over again. <laughs> exactly. So. And talking about working from home and, and writing and, and your dream job, how do you balance it all? You know, living your life, working at home, writing, how do you squeeze it all in? Do you have to compartmentalize, say, okay, I'm at work now, don't come in my office? How do you manage? Yeah, it's difficult. I cannot compartmentalize. I don't even, I, I have trouble pronouncing that word. I can't not do it. But what I do is I do it the other way around. I look at my life. And I say, okay, I work better during these times because there's nobody in the house or because they're watching TV in another room, and that's when I do certain things. And so mm-hmm. I know it sounds crazy, but that's how I made it work. Yeah. But the number one thing is discipline. If you come up with a time that works for you and then you don't use it to work, then you cannot work at home, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's true. Yeah, you have to be disciplined. And I've always been an independent worker, uh, and I've always been deadline-driven. I put myself deadlines. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, sometimes, you know, stuff happens. You didn't have Internet, and, you know, you had too many orders. You got sick. I mean, things happen, and you you do your best to get on that deadline, but it doesn't happen a lot of times. But you get close to it, and that's the only way that you can guarantee that you're going to reach your goal. Yeah. Always been a deadline driven even at my job, uh, my day job. I had to have complete stuff at, on a certain date. And yeah. so that helped me apply it to my house. Okay. Well, I think that, that helped motivate you, you know, as yeah. well. It would help me. So aside from writing, I know that you enjoy many different talents. What do you like to do when you're not working on your novel or? Writing book reviews or reading. What do you What do you do for fun? Well, first of all, I know it sounds crazy, but reading is no longer my hobby. <laughs> so oh. I'm not going to even talk about reading because <laughs> okay. because I, I do enjoy it and I love it, but I want to say it's my job now. <laughs> so. Right now, it's your job. Yeah. Yeah. But I do, don't read books for pleasure anymore. Or yeah, yeah. Better. Even though it pleasures me, I, it's not for that that I read. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. read because it's my job. Right. <laughs> I do love gardening, and I know that you and I are co-gardeners. <laughs> and uh, but it's it's always been my passion to um, eat something that came out of my backyard. And on my last, in the last. Three years, I think, or, yeah, three or four years, I didn't do as much gardening as I wanted. So this mm-hmm. year I'm really enjoying it because I have a bigger yard. And, you know, my parents moved in with me, so we're I'm sharing what I'm harvesting, and it's just been a lot of fun. And then I knit a lot. I love to knit. I can uh, stay still and... <laughs> watch TV without doing anything, so I knit a lot, and I knit, and I give it away, and I say that I'm going to sell stuff, but I never do. Oh, really? <laughs> you should. Yeah, I know, I know. I The only time I've uh, sold stuff is like if we go to a book fair, I'll bring some of my scarves and whatever and mm-hmm. sell them, but mm-hmm. I need to take it seriously and create an internet 
accounts. And that I have trouble balancing because after a full day of the screen on the computer, I don't want to take time to do that. Oh, right. Yeah, Yeah. take pictures of the stuff and putting it on, edit the pictures. I think I like to need a lot. It's because I am not in a computer. Get something Mm -hmm. to do with my hands. I'm being creative. But my eyes don't get so worn out. Yeah, selling your wares, uh, that's a whole other job. It is a job. And I really need to keep one of my hobbies my hobby. Right. So. So I think, yeah, (laughs) so it might become a job. I'm just putting everything in a container now, and I think that when Mm -hmm. I can't type anymore because of my arthritis, maybe I'll start trying to sell my knits. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So from gardening, it comes all kinds of good things to cook. I understand you're a wonderful cook. I love to cook. I didn't enjoy it much when my kids were little because they were too picky, and Mm -hmm. so I had to make the same thing over and over again. But now that they're grown and they're eating more like adults, <laughs> yeah. Except for Ariana, Ariana doesn't eat anything that she that is not fried or. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. I don't know. She's eating a little bit more, but she's still picky. Well, I understand that completely. It's like when I when my son was young and I had to get dinner on the table by a certain time. I did not enjoy cooking, but now that it's just me and my husband and I can experiment, it's a lot more fun. Yeah, and and even uh, you know cooking together with my husband, I love that because then mm-hmm. we'll we'll mess with each other's recipe. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it, it, it's just fun. I really like it. And now that I have my parents here, even more because my mom is a food critic. My dad will eat. Oh. Yeah, you know, my dad will eat anything that moves. As long as it's fresh, he'll eat it. But my mom is like, oh. It has too much oregano. And, oh, guess what? I didn't put oregano. <laughs> oh, that's but, funny. She's like a master chef. And, yeah. <laughs> so, and uh, her whole family was like that, though. All of my uncles. You would eat the best pasta plate, a lasagna, mm. gnocchi, homemade pasta. It was mm. amazing. But one of them would come up with something. You know, it's like, oh, it needed just one more drop of wine. <laughs> you know, the sauce. <laughs> Or, you know, uh, you should have put just a little grain of salt, <laughs> you know. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So I, I expect that from my mom. And if it doesn't happen, then I know she didn't like it. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Susan, I've, I've so much enjoyed talking to you today. And I wanted to ask you, before we wrap things up, what advice would you give to aspiring authors or people wanting to get into the, the business? What advice can you offer? Well, first of all, I think that it's very important for you not to think about your grammar and all that stuff, and I know that I'm saying this, until you put your full story down. Mm -hmm. You're going to rewrite it many times, no matter how much you critique yourself when you're writing. So you might as well just spit it all out (laughs) and, and then just... You know, go to a critique group and let them dismember it, and mm-hmm. and then re- you rewrite it. The only thing that you should think about when writing is who are you talking to? Is there going to be an audience for what you're writing? Because sometimes we want to say what we want to say, but there's many ways of saying it. So mm-hmm. the market has to do not just with the message, but with how you are conveying that message. So, yes, think about who you're talking to, mm-hmm. write it all out, and then do the rewrites. No matter okay. how many times you rewrite, send it to an editor. Yeah. Yeah, you have to send it to an editor. Do not use the publisher's editor if they're going to send it across the sea to 
yeah. edit it. So you have to really look for a good editor. Uh, if you're going to yeah. invest money and time in publishing, that should be it. <laughs> good editing. Well, yeah, it's your story. So you want to you want to portray those things to the best way possible. Yes, and people think that oh no, they're going to change everything. It's like no, you decide what to take from the editor. But mm-hmm. at least in terms of grammar, spelling, mm-hmm. uh, punctuation, it will be correct because that's what gives the reader the flow of the story. If it's a story that's not uh, making the reader understand where to pause mm-hmm. and who's talking and things like that, or what does that word mean, what does that word have to do with the sentence, if there's going to be a lot of bumps, people are mm-hmm. not going to read your story, and it will be a shame. Yeah. But, you know, writing a book is a lot of work. And so to the new writers out there, to the people thinking about publishing, once you are going to have anybody else read what you're writing, you have to think of them being able mm-hmm. to read what you're writing. Right. That That is the number one. And number two, on the same token, do not listen to anybody calling you crazy because you're writing and you're publishing. Because <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people are like, oh, what do you know? You know, oh, oh yeah, you want to be an author. No, just just do it. It's, if you're having do fun it. doing it, yeah, just do it. Yeah. There's so many options out there that are affordable, and mm-hmm. why not do what you like, even if it's going to be a hobby? Even mm-hmm. if you only sell 10 books, why not do it if it's giving you pleasure, mm-hmm. you know? And if you want to do it in thinking of a profession, then, yeah, instruct yourself about promoting your work. There's a, about a zillion books coming a year Yeah, in, in all formats, audio, different kinds of platform on e-books. Mm-hmm. It's just crazy out there. It's a big jungle. You do not need to be a Stephen King, but if you can make your living or your retirement in in writing, whether or speaking events, or I mean, a book can launch many things, mm-hmm. not just being a famous author. And if you have your little fan uh, audience that will follow you and, and you can live at it, I am living proof that it can be done. So just be consistent and persist. There's no exact formula on how to make it work. It, it all depends on you. And if you don't trust yourself and keep at it, it'll never happen. Right. That's great. So we're coming towards the end of our time. Can you share with our listeners, do you have a blog or a website where they can contact you and sure uh, learn more about your books? Well, you can go to susanviolante.com. And there will be links to the other websites. I do have a blog on I Have Something to Say Press that is mostly about publishing as well as readerviews.com blog. Mm -hmm. I also have book reviews in thoughtcrawlers.wordpress.com. And I am actually, not many people know this, but I am an RA patient and knitting and reading and the lifestyle that I'm doing has helped me a lot to cope with that illness. So mm-hmm. I am going to come up with a new blog, and I'm thinking of calling it Books, Knits, and RA. So oh, nice. Yeah, so I'm just going to try to help others that are going through the same thing. So yeah. look look for that in the next uh, few times. It's probably going to be on WordPress, so it will probably 
www.bbooksknitsandra.wordpress.com, something like that. Awesome. Well, thank you, Susan, for joining us today. Oh, thank you, Sherry. I, you know, I've I've come to love chatting with you now that we, you know, do many things together <laughs> with book reviews and gardening and so um you've been an awesome interviewer. Thank you so much for taking the time to interview me. Well, thank you for being with us and we will talk again soon. Great. To our listeners, a big thank you for joining us today at Inside Scoop Live with our guest Susan Violante, author of Tuma, The Tribe's Little Princess. You can find out more about Susan and her book at www.ihavesomethingtosaypress.com and www.susanviolante.com. That's www.susanviolante.com. And be sure to check out our other interviews at Inside Scoop Live.